Hi, and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators. Um, today we have Amy from Austin, and she's here with us to talk to us about the uh, sometimes what happens when you go to court with a narcissist and what happens in the aftermath after all of those things have transpired. So welcome, Amy. Glad to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, so recently, very recently, you um, uh, had to go to court, and it took a while. It was a long, protracted um, battle. And at the end, things uh, were surprisingly not what one would expect it to be. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your experience with the court system when dealing with uh, people like this? Yes. So um, in my situation, um, everything was in my uh, ex-husband's, now ex-husband's name. Um, he had uh, managed to, the way he would take care of me was that he handled all of the bills, wasn't allowed to get the mail. Um, he handled all finances and um, he even handled, uh, for example, taxes. And it turns out that taxes weren't paid for four years. And I didn't know. I didn't find out until he was uh, removed from the home. And that's when I first found out. And anyway, when you, what happened over the course of the year and over uh, working through attorneys, again, everything is in his name. And so in the end, when they're dividing up stuff, they're not really dividing stuff. They're just finding a way to, the way, the way it worked here in my situation is um, basically giving uh, a pittance. I've been married for 26 years. 26 years. 26 and, years. Uh, it might uh, go to say this, this is Texas, and it's a 50-50 state where typically, unless there's something really uh, out of the ordinary, they pretty much split it 50-50 is what um, I have had attorneys tell me. But that didn't happen for you. No, um, I've only been in the workforce for seven years, and um, and even that as a as working uh, as an educator, and so he received fifty percent of my uh, retirement fund, and he has been obviously working for much longer, and he received ninety percent of his uh, IRA fund. So as you can imagine, it was pretty uh, pretty distressful. Um, all taxes were then paid for of the proceeds, and then uh, even better, any amount of money that was uh, owed for me living in the house while we were selling the house was, of course, refunded to him. So in the end, um, I received only enough to cover the two uh, car loans that the uh, judge had ordered me to pay. So um, I walked away with nothing. And what it's like to, to be in a courtroom and have uh, another attorney um, well, in this case, his his side um, portray me as this woman who, uh, of course, was not law abiding, who was basically a hanger honor. After I'd raised this person's children, I'd run life in our home uh, for twenty six years, twenty five years, as best I could. And um, in the end, what you're left with is just feeling like. Gut, your gut has been kicked. Um, you're worthless. That anything that you ever, ever did um, was for naught. And the truth is, after a couple of days, um, you know, maybe only twelve hours curled up in a ball, um, our 
thankfully, um, I had a really strong support system. And the bottom line is um, that person, even that attorney that would state such horrific things about me, whether he knew me or not, um, to not show any value to my life, to not place any at all um, to, to the work that I did. In the end, it's not anybody that I respect. So as a result, I don't really need to respect what they have to say about me. And my destiny, my future, is now based on what I do and what I do moving forward. And so as difficult as it was, and it was harrowing, I will say it was not pleasant, um, moving forward, it's, it's, it's kind of freeing as well. It's because nobody gave me a handout. In the end, it's going to be me who builds my future. Well, that's uh, an amazing positive attitude to have after such a terrible defeat in the courtroom. The, uh, it's surprising to me to know that the uh, judge was female, and I would think that um, most people uh, know enough about um, narcissists to know that when they uh, are in a divorce situation that they're ruthless and uh, will lie and manipulate and do whatever they can. I mean, even regular um, people who are healthy and have no mental issues, even their worst side comes out and they do that in times of divorce. But for a person who suffers from personality disorder, they're, you know, they're, they're very good at uh, fooling everyone except the people who get to see them behind closed doors mm-hmm. and get to see that other side of them. Right. And apparently that, that is what happened um, with the court system that nobody uh, saw that, saw what was happening. And because your children are just the last one went off to college this, this year, I, I think that uh, it, it just, there was no mercy shown uh, is a little shocking. So um so since this has happened and you're starting from scratch and after 26 years, is that right? That's right. 26 years of marriage. Um, how, what, what advice would you have for people who are going through something similar, divorcing someone who is not uh, mentally stable and who is showing them no um, respect or, or mercy or kindness when it comes to getting a fair settlement and, and um, taking care of that person that they've been with for 26 years, honoring that, that marriage. What would you, what would, what advice would you have? So the biggest advice I have for somebody is to uh, look to your support system, look to those key people who have been with you um, through, through the years, or maybe you've moved somewhere new and you don't know anybody and you're starting over from scratch or your children are grown. And so your support system is quite different than a mom who's just left a marriage and whose you know, kid has just left high school and had um, you know amount of friends, social friends um, due to their children. But if you're in a, either you're in the same situation or not the same situation, you find those key people. Um, you find a great therapist to work with. Um, highly suggest EMDR, any therapist that uh, works with us. Um, it's for people who suffer from uh, PTSD. And, um, and anybody going through a divorce situation, you are definitely going to have some PTSD. So strongly uh, encourage everybody uh, who is going through anything like this to find that key support system, to check in with them, to make it a point, put it on your calendar. I'm going to check in with this person on this day. I'm going to make appointments for myself. And I'm going to start caring for myself before 
somebody who's living with a narcissist, you're working your, around their schedule. Just give me your schedule so that I can be available. You're working around them all of the time. Um, you know, when when can we be meet for dinner? What can I make sure that I'm available to you? And the narcissist is not really thinking that way. And so this is self-care. It's who is going to talk to me? Um, I had a different person, you know, there was a cheerleader. Then I also had a person who was uh, thinking about my next steps. Okay. So financially, let's just say you end up at ground zero, which I prepared for. I did not prepare for a big settlement. You prepare for the worst. You hope for the best and prepare for the worst. And that's what this person did. She, she had a very realistic view of what could happen to me. And so uh, making sure I had a, a job, an entry-level job somewhere that would uh, I would eventually ascend. Um, so look to that. Uh, you can also look to a book group that has nothing to do with your divorce, nothing to do with anybody going through this, because you always want us to keep in touch with people who aren't necessarily suffering the same. We all have a different cross to carry, of course, um, but we all suffer differently. So you just make sure that you have that tribe to check in with. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's. I think that's really important. And I know when this happened to me back in June, uh, it's been seven months ago, um, I didn't have any family here. My children are grown and far. Um, didn't have time to cultivate friends because I spent all of my time at work or with him. So uh, at that time, I, I was totally alone. And uh, it was difficult to try to find that tribe and to reach out. And I know I found you on Facebook of all places Mm -hmm. because I put out a a distress call. I, you know, you have to, for me, I certainly put my dignity and, and uh, shame for my situation. I had to put that away and just reach out to whoever I could find. And uh, two of the people who responded happened to be parents of students that I had taught in previous year. One of them was you. And then there was one other uh, person who was a parent of a student. So, uh, you know, I would never have suspected that. I never would have thought that you or the other lady would have been the ones to reach out to me and say, hey, you know, I've gone through something similar. I'm still kind of in something similar. Let's help each other. It was totally unexpected, but it was a lifesaver in so many ways because it. I don't think this is something you can do alone. No. And and I, I, I do think that other people, unless they've experienced a relationship that mm-hmm. is like this, they don't understand what you're talking about. There's a whole vocabulary that comes with this, a whole language. I've often compared it to like being in a different country and you finally see somebody in the crowd who speaks your language. You're so excited and relieved to connect with that person because you're on the same page and you speak that same language. And it feels that way when you're uh, grieving over the loss of a relationship with a dysregulated person who uh, is not okay, who is unstable and who has um, narcissistic um, disorder. It, it is, um, it's not your regular generic divorce. And so the people that you turn to do need to be able to have some connection. They need to have some experience with that, I think, in order to be able to, um, to be there. But you made a good point about, about reaching out to people who have nothing to do with divorce or crisis or trauma or narcissists or sociopaths or any of that. And just like the book club, um, 
there, you know, here in Austin, we have meetup uh, and they have all these activities all the time that you can get involved in. But can you talk to us about that for a minute, the balance that you have had between the mental health professionals and the different therapies they've suggested to you, mm-hmm. other things you've tried? Like for me, I, I did everything from acupuncture to meditation and pranic healing and um, just I went through so many different support groups and different things, just trying to latch on to something to help me stay afloat. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you know, the book groups and the things that have nothing to do with it, maybe talk, talk about that too. Oh, so, yeah. So one of the things um, that was actually a lifesaver was to be able to be in a crowd because when you're going through this and you're, you're having these panic attacks or you just feel just horrible, like you've been kicked in the gut and, um, you know, the rug has been pulled out from under you. And so to be able to walk through a target is one thing, but then to be able to attend a book club where you should have read the book and to disconnect yourself from those emotions, even if just for a little bit, to just be able to to produce you know, a, a statement that has nothing to do with this harrowing situation that you're in. And so it begins to walk you out of, um, of that pain and so that you can exist with it. You can still shine as a person. Mm-hmm. You can still um, be grateful, show gratitude. Uh, you can, and, and you're, you, you put yourself in situations where you are able to show that gratitude. For me, it was uh, different. There was a, a woman's uh, weekend retreat that I attended where there are all, you know, women of all ages and uh, they're all carrying different uh, different pain. Now, is this through the church? That one uh, specifically was through the church. I know that um, there are other ones that aren't necessarily through mm-hmm. uh, a church, um, but anything like that, it's positive, it's encouraging, um, and it's also about healing, um, healing you as as a woman um, or as a person who's just been through something so difficult and where you've given so much of your love and of your time and of your energy. You've, you've helped build somebody who didn't in any way think it was worth the time to be grateful to you. And so you are basically left with all of this love that you need to give. You don't stop giving that, that love. You just find somewhere else. You find other groups, you find, um, you know, maybe somewhere you can volunteer in so that you can give um, because it's, it's in giving that you receive. And that's absolutely what I have found through this process. Yes, I think that that's right. And I would like to emphasize the importance of having some um, higher power. I know 12-step programs are uh, deeply enmeshed with that whole, I think it's step number two to turn it over to a higher power, your understanding of what God might be in your life. Uh, Because step one is to admit your powerlessness over the situation. And uh, I'm a firm believer in those 12-step programs. I went to Al-Anon for a long time um, because my first husband was an alcoholic. And, um, you know, I learned a lot of really useful things that apply to this situation as well. But uh, I, uh, you know, the first um, eight, nine years of my marriage, we were in the church. Uh, we got married in, in the church. We went to the uh, Methodist church here in Austin for for years. And only in the last few years of the marriage did he gravitate away from that and uh, took a different path. And uh, I, I feel that, you know, I had not gone to church in 
maybe four, almost five years. Mm -hmm. And I returned after this happened and reached out to the people. I have a prayer partner. Um, She meets with me once a week, part of Stephen Ministries, which is something that the Methodist Church does, which is just really awesome Mm -hmm. Um, and very, very helpful. She's very understanding and and can talk to me about scripture and talk to me on a very human and personal level in a way that you couldn't get like at a Sunday school class or something like that. Um, And I've, I've, purchased Joyce Meyer books and other books that have um, spiritual guidance mm-hmm. in them. Even my uh, mother-in-law, bless her heart, in San Antonio, sends me scriptures through text because uh, she has uh, come to the church um, again in recent years, and that's a strength for her. And she sees how I've struggled and how difficult it's been for me to gain, regain any kind of composure or semblance of a normal life after this has happened. Mm -hmm. And she has supported me. So I think that the spiritual path is one that cannot be ignored. It has to be part of the healing if you want to get it done. Right. There's um, several podcasts um, as well. Uh, I know that you can, you can look up. There's um, one, oh gosh, blessed i think and then there's several prayer uh you can just instead of clicking onto facebook stay off of facebook you you find several um even prayer apps and it'll take you straight to a prayer because mm-hmm. sometimes it's all you can do mm-hmm. is to get through the next step of your day to, to actually put the key in the car and to go to where you're going um so there's a lot of opportunity for that and um, i know i'm I'm actually Catholic, and so um, there has been. There's a book club through them as well, and so it's a book study, and it has you know, everything to do with turning uh, yourself over to a high to, to God, um, and how difficult it is to let go somebody who has held on to a relationship that is so difficult and so broken for so many years has a lot of difficulty letting go. And um, this is one of those lessons is that you will learn when you're going through your uh, spiritual healing, as you stated, it's letting go of of some of these pain, um, some of the pain and, uh, and then gaining a fresh perspective and also uh, gaining um, in, in the gratitude aspect of it is you're also gaining all these gifts that you did not know you had the people that were in your life that you had no clue what major players they would become uh, when things went really bad absolutely well i i did not have those relationships through the church when this happened um seven months ago but since then i attended divorce care which is a scripture-based mm-hmm. divorce recovery program at the church i went through the first iteration of it back in the um starting i think in september finished I believe it was 13 weeks. And then I'm repeating it a second time. Not only am I repeating it, three other people from the first round of it are returning for the second round. They have discussion, they have prayer, they have scripture, they have a video, uh, and then we go to dinner afterwards. And it has been just such a comfort Mm -hmm. to have that support. Um, that I, I just think that that right. whatever that looks like to you, whether it's a 12 step meeting or whether it's something at church, a prayer partner that you can meet up with, um, or a class like divorce care, uh, it's just one more tool in your toolbox. It's like a necessary component right. to, to, um, to getting a grip on for, for yes. when the, when the finality comes down, it'll prepare you for even exactly. that next step mm-hmm. of the aftermath and then the healing. 
um, when it's all over. Yeah. So yes. And there's just so many things that have to be addressed. I, uh, you know, whether to take prescription medication, for example, uh, whether, you know, what kind of therapy you mentioned EDMR? EMDR. EMDR. Right. And um, so this therapy is specifically used uh, with uh, people who suffered uh, PTSD. And um, it's amazing. It was recommended to me and I was very fortunate to find a therapist uh, who did this work and who does this work. And um, it was definitely the turning point for me um, as the months went on and as uh, the, you know, we readied ourselves for the trial and as we got through the end of it um, to the aftermath and it prepared me for that last day. And um, it's not to say that it's not going to hurt. It just means that it's not going to take you as long to bounce back. Yeah. Well, I think we all have to just figure out what works for us and right. we're all a little bit different. And, right. and, but we just getting that support, the people, the professionals, the team of people to come in and do triage kind of, and, mm-hmm. and to work on what, whatever it is you need to have work on. So uh, it's a process. It takes a while. I don't think you recover right away. Um, and I think that uh, it's important that we, just keep working at it. Uh, we're sitting outside right now on a deck in the sun on a beautiful Monday, Martin Luther King Day holiday here in Austin, Texas. It's probably 60 degrees. And um, I know for me, I don't get outside in the sun enough. I think we are going to take a walk here in a minute. And I want to recommend to people the, the outdoor component of getting outside mm-hmm. and trying to enjoy nature to that and and I also want to say um, gratitude has been something that I've been working on. You know, when I start um, getting find myself slipping back into memories and idealizing things that were so great from my marriage for you, twenty six years for me, fifteen years, and you don't uh, just let go of memories that that easily. I don't think anybody does. But when I find myself getting lost longing in that, um, I try to start making a list of the things that were wrong, that were not healthy, that were toxic, that were disordered, Mm -hmm. um, that were not um, as they should be. And, you know, I don't want to bash the narcissist and vilify and demonize and have all this vitriol and and ill speaking of of people with mental health issues. But, um, you know, I, I think we have to uh, be aware that, you know, they're doing the best they can and they're not well. They're, they have their own problems. So what we do when we acknowledge that, we accept that, and then we try to be grateful. So for me, I'm great. I, I list things that I have gratitude for every morning. I do it during the day. And I end my day with that. And even some days when I feel like I don't really have, it's just been really hard, really difficult today, um, I still start listening. I'm grateful I can see another day, drive my car another day. I'm grateful for my cat. I'm grateful for my job. And I just keep going with that. And I think it kind of helps your brain reboot. So you want to tell us about what you're grateful for? 
Oh, well, I'm grateful for the opportunity <laughs> of our friendship. Uh, I'm grateful for a gorgeous day. And I'm even grateful for the sun, for the days that aren't gorgeous, for the days that are rainy and mucky and we have lightning um, because it switches uh, my direction. And so I'm grateful for um, the dogs that I have in my life, for the horses that are in my life. I'm grateful for my job. And um, I'm grateful for the amazing opportunities that are in front of me. That's so wonderful. I think that that's a perfect way to end today with that thought that we do need to practice gratitude and try to be grateful for the things that we've been given. And even though we have loss and we have grief and we miss these people on a very deep, deep level. Some of us miss these people. Some of us do. Let me clarify. Some of us miss them. Yes. (laughs) I, uh, I, I will say in spite of all of that, being grateful is, is just, kind of gets us through one day at a time, one footstep at a time. We're going to do this thing. So thank you, Amy, for joining us today. (laughs) And and to the rest of you out there, continue your journey. We're all going to get there to that other side. Bye-bye. Bye.